0: When you care enough about fulfilling a mission or creating an outcome, realizing a vision, that you're willing to put yourself on the line, that's when you're gonna step up to leadership. And whether it happens at five or 55, I don't think it matters. It's like you're gonna find that thing that you really care about and you will move heaven and earth to do it.
1: Self-leadership can be lonely. It's hard to do the thing no one else wants to do, that no one else is willing to do. But you are not alone. There are others dancing through the fight and laughing as they lead. Let's find them, swap stories, and live through this together. Welcome to How I Live Through This. I'm your host, Anne Roach, and I'm really glad you're here. Today, I've asked Jennifer Campbell to join me. Jen started her professional career in the U.S. Navy, flying more than 40 combat missions over the skies of Iraq and Afghanistan, and then leading the diversity, equity, and inclusion program for the brigade of midshipmen at the U.S. Naval Academy. The experience transformed her, and she started the company World Awake to support executives, leaders, and their teams in their own transformations. Today, she works with individuals and groups who are dedicated to the Greek virtue of arete. More on that later. Jen has been through fires of combat, entrepreneurship, the very premature birth of her child, and divorce. And still, she dances and sings her way through it. Welcome, Jennifer. I'm really glad you're here.
0: Thank you, Anne. I'm so glad to be here with you. (laughs) Have you always been a leader? (laughs) I... You know, I remember back to my days as a Brownie Girl Scout, and my troop leader, who is also my mother, <laughs> um, creating an opportunity for us girls to run small groups within the troop. Mm. And I remember my hand shooting up, I wanted to be one of these <laughs> little leaders, right? And back then, it was really just about being in charge. <laughs> <laughs> but it, that hasn't ended that that drive to be a leader hasn't ended since. So what yeah. maybe I was maybe I was 10. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what was your first experience of leadership? I mean, I hear that in the Girl Scouts, but you didn't just come into that at 10. Did you?
0: You know, I, I think I, I hadn't really had any opportunity to mm. truly lead others. Mm. Other than that, I always kind of had different passions and things I, I wanted to do, places I wanted to make a difference. So my my parents uh, were working to save my elementary school at one point they were actually considering demolishing the school and turning it into something else and they were kind of running this campaign to not do that and and i as one of the students actually created a little speech and gave Mm -hmm. it in front of the school board (laughs) um so i don't remember how old i was with that but you know i think different kind of initiatives and things like that i was would attempt to make a difference in? But it wasn't until yeah that Girl Scout experience that I had the chance to actually really lead others. How did I it guess go? I led my little sister?
1: Oh, there you go <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the theme is that that self-leadership, and then you're leading either yourself or whoever happens to be in the room,
0: whether your sister yeah, or the Girl right? Scouts. <laughs> Right, exactly. And I really don't have any memories of the experience with the Girl Scouts so much. I don't think it really became conscious until like in high school where I was a a co-captain in um, Color Guard. I was involved Mm. in that. I actually started a Girl Scout troop. When I was in high school, a group of fifth graders (laughs) and uh, and I started like the pep club when I was there. So I was kind of an an initiator of things and then would lead Mm. them that way. But yeah, Mm. it was they were great experiences and also really challenging, challenging through not only how do I get these people to do this thing. Right. But also, how do I manage myself throughout it and how do I manage my time? Mm. How am I showing up? You know, you, you know. even in high school, you're getting that kind of feedback about what might work and not work. Well, that's really interesting,
1: Jen. Can you say more about that? Because I think that the awareness of that,
0: I, I can only speak for myself, the awareness of that took me a while. And it definitely took me a while, I'd say I got the feedback, I can't say I was particularly open to it, you know, when I was like a junior, senior in high school. But I, I think the time that I really started to notice the feedback and really act on it was then when uh, quite a bit later. So went to the Naval Academy, uh, after graduation, went out into the fleet, did my time there and then came back to the Academy on staff. And I was running a group of Hmm. volunteer midshipmen. There were 120 of them. Um, You know, I'm Gen X, they're all millennial, like, goodness only knows what's going on with this generation, right? Said every other generation. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I remember the first year I was there, I asked myself like, you know, what, what do I remember officers being like when I was a mid and okay, then that's how I probably need to lead here very different from being out in the in the fleet. It's a different place. Anyway, so I tried that. And it didn't work. I was miserable. I don't think the midshipman really liked working with me. And then I took the Myers Briggs. Hmm. And I'm sitting down in the debrief. And the facilitator says, you know, and these, this is the typical military officer type, and she puts up these four letters. And I look at my report, and I have the exact opposite letters. I'm like, I feel like this maybe explains some things. So what if I led from this? So I'd been getting kind of right anecdotal or informal kind of feedback about what was working and not working over the previous year. And then when I sat with that, that was kind of my own big aha of I was probably trying to be something that I'm not. So what if I led from this set of letters, this, you know, what would that look like? And then when I did that, it completely changed. Hmm. Um, I loved my work. The midshipmen really enjoyed working with me. They recruited their friends to work with me on different projects I was leading. Um, yeah, it, it was it was amazing.
1: Wow, that's so interesting. And I'm hmm, I'm really curious, Jen, about how you ended up in the U.S. Navy it sounds like that awareness from the Myers-Briggs, had you had that sooner, would that have shifted what you had thought
0: your face is lighting up as? Right, because I'm remembering a conversation with my mom. And so she remembers me calling her when it was my freshman year at the Academy of Plebe year. And apparently we took the Myers-Briggs then as well. And she remembers me calling her and saying, mom, what do I do? Because this is telling me I should be like a teacher or a counselor. But I'm here, what do I do? And if I know my mom, I I know she probably said something like, you'll be fine, right? You know, don't worry, it's gonna be okay. But yeah, so I think it was, uh, I had already gotten that feedback, but I was so in the system. And Mm. one of the things about my personality type as we are a bit chameleon, you know, so we can yeah. kind of morph ourselves to fit yeah. in different situations. And I did that for a long time. Yeah, it made it pretty stressful.
1: Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. Oh, it was hard for sure. There were times I felt like people looked at me like I had a third eye and, you know, like I was just completely nuts, the things I would notice and draw attention to. And it's like, why do you even care about that? why do you not care about this? (laughs) Yeah. The combination of having
1: that staying in the Navy and, and then moving into yourself more into your truer self and leading from that place in, in a system that doesn't necessarily operate in that way. I imagine just makes you even more powerful
0: in that space. I think if you know how to wield it, it, it is, it definitely had really good impact with the people I led. You know, I was in Mm -hmm. my very early thirties at the time and the rebelliousness in me as I was considering getting out of the Navy, also being confronted with this fact that, you know, which one doesn't look like the others, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Different than those around me that I still struggled with a little bit of a a rebellious streak. I remember sitting in meetings with very high ranking officers looking at problems across the academy, again, with the diversity, equity and inclusion work. We didn't call it that back then, but that's Mm -hmm. what it was. And I remember this admiral, you know, saying, OK, so now we're we're going to go around the room and, and talk about different aspects of the vision for for what we could be right. And he said, I'll go first. And he gave this very granular thing. It was like, he started calculating. He suggested maybe we could have another um, salon for women midshipmen in the dormitory because he starts doing the calculations. We have this one and it has three chairs and they operate eight hours a day. So it's about approximately 24 appointments a day. And we have X number of female midshipmen. And so really, I think we should open a second salon. Wow. (laughs) Wow. And it went around the table like that. And it finally got to me and I was like, could we put create a vision on our list somewhere? <laughs> you know? And they said, well, I thought that's what we're doing. Uh, all I could do is go, uh, oh, okay. All right. You know, I'm the lieutenant in the room. I'm the O3. These guys are much more senior to me. And so, yeah, I had to, I had to find ways to kind of mm. be diplomatic in how I managed myself. And I think there were aspects of power. I was drawn into those conversations. I was often frustrated by those yeah. conversations. Yeah. And and both formally like that one and then informally where I had a boss who said, hey, Jen, I know we need to do some change here. What, what would you recommend for a process to, to change the culture here? I'm like, mm. let's sit down and have a chat yeah. about that, yeah. right? But it's very senior ranking officer. And so on the one hand, I'm like, wow, I'm I'm flattered that I'm being asked. And also like, oh my gosh, you're asking me? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you know this already, right? Yeah. But so I think that's when you start to recognize that you have talents and things that are different. Um, you're right, it can be extremely powerful. And when you are that one fish, right, that's kind of swimming against the current, yeah. I think it's it's exhausting and ultimately that's one of the reasons that I ended up leaving the Navy after 10 years, which was, it's a natural time to leave. There's no big hoopla around that, but it was just realizing I have these skills and I think they're going to be better served, you know, mm. somewhere else. I'll, I'll be able to make more of an impact somewhere else.
1: What was your experience of figuring out that showing up as you are was a strength because it was so different from, you know the situation you were in.
0: Yeah. I got to a point where it just really wasn't working the way I was the way I I had been leading. You know, I I was running a volunteer organization and and <laughs> I laughed because uh I don't remember if I really overtly said this in front of the group or maybe I might have, I wouldn't have put it past me, um, <laughs> or if I only said it inside conversations, but my attitude was it's volunteer, but you volunteered to take on an obligation and now you have an obligation. And if you won't fulfill it, I will find somebody who will, right? Like this is an important job to do. Yeah, And so I was at times, you know, Um, at the end of my rope dealing with this group of midshipmen. And, and they, I joked that they were dropping like flies. They weren't dropping like flies, but I definitely had folks who were dropping out and um, it just was unsustainable. Mm. And so I think it just happened at the right time where it's like, I knew I couldn't keep going that way, but I didn't know what to do. And then this landed in my lap Mm. and it was like, oh, this offered another path mm. right it offered another way I hadn't considered before
1: right
0: and my my type was very much more about operating from a place of, of vision and buying people and getting people bought into the mm. vision rather than directing it was much more about building relationship and really focusing on those relationships cultivating success mm-hmm. for the mission rather than again it's being a very directive, top down, you know, you do what I say, but more of, of really eliciting the potential of mm. the people who worked for and with me and, and letting them flourish. Yeah. and That worked.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's great. So how do you, how do you use that now?
0: Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, um, now I have so firmly the mindset that the person in front of me has unlimited potential. And so one of my superpowers that I've I've kind of cultivated over time, and also I think it's somewhat innate, is the ability to hear when somebody is selling themselves short, mm. right? When they've got some story that's making it harder to, to achieve what they really want to achieve, mm. right? Um, or build the kind of relationship they want to build, whatever I can kind of hear now where that is off, because I I can see the the pure goodness and, and potential of that person in front of me. That's definitely a hallmark of that. So kind of my personality type is we're kind of wired that way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like uh, a shift from, you know, when you're talking to volunteers, like pointing out somebody's shortcoming, like pointing out where they're not Filling their potential versus inviting them in to see their own potential.
0: Yeah. And it takes different forms with different folks, right? You know this, Anne. There are some people where you need to be kind of softer about it. And others where you can just say flat out, like, you're kidding yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Or this story you're telling, like, I hear this story. Is this the story? Yep, that's the story. What if that's not the story? What if it's yeah. this other story, yeah. you know, and then you get people to hear things that they just couldn't hear before. Yeah. You call BS. Like before we've <laughs> talked about, it. you got to call BS on people's stories sometimes. Yeah. It's just a story. Yeah. It's just a story. You yeah. can tell any story you want. Why that one?
1: <laughs> yeah. That's so great. I love that. Yes. We have had that conversation, the bullshit conversation, and I was talking to a client the other day and. I, I try to be gentle about it for a little while. And then I get to the point where I'm like, no, no, I'm going to have to interrupt you. Nope. <laughs> and how is that story helping you hide? Because mm-hmm. you know, you're telling yourself this story
0: <laughs> and we, I keep hearing the same story over and over again. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's been really good getting out of that director role and I don't have to know the answers. And right. I would never know the answers in these other people's right in for their teams or for their own lives or their own organizations. But I can help them ask better questions and yeah. and get to the answers now. Yeah. So yeah, I remember it was at the time it was fairly unusual, I guess, to really give midshipmen as much rain as I did. I remember actually, I ran a conference while I was there and during the, it was the week before the conference, I went away for training and the people who were heading up the conference, I remember the head midshipman saying like, why are you doing this to us? <laughs> like, Why are you, you're not going to be there the week before the conference. And it's like, no, because you got this. You really got this. You, yeah. we've gone through the checklist. We've, you know, we've gone through all, you've got this, you can lead this, you can handle this in the next week when I'm done. Yeah. And everything was fine, right? (laughs) But to give that much rope and responsibility, you know, that is ultimately what's going to create the strongest leaders, the best leaders is ones who've been in the fire. I think there was some study that was done that I saw many years ago, um, that broke down all these different ways that you could develop somebody's leadership. Mm. And the number one most impactful way was give them more responsibility. Mm. It's hard to do that if you don't believe in somebody's potential. Yeah.
1: Yeah. One of the conversations or one of the themes that keeps coming up is there is such an industry around how to lead, but until you do it and until you, I mean, what strikes me about what you're saying was that your own journey of seeing what works and what doesn't and paying attention to that and recognizing that that was internal. And what can I, you know, what story can I shift to see how this can work with me instead of against me? The other thing that keeps coming up is that the people that I've been talking to are just leaders from the start, (laughs) (laughs) which is intimidating, frankly, for those of us who came to leadership late. I mean, Mm -hmm. one of the common themes is, kind of a, a confidence or a, a self-confidence or a ballsiness. I always say I was born with balls. I don't know where they came from, but I think right. it was also just like this confidence. I feel like I came to own my own leadership very late in life. So it just makes me curious how, you know, those of us who, who come to the concept of there is a responsibility here. There is, there is, a responsibility to unleash it in a powerful productive way versus you know what i feel like you know was my way for so long which was just a self absorption or a or a rage you know uh, like you, i heard that rebelliousness you know i felt like i was always like so skeptical and so contrarian and you know but not actually leading it in any direction that's sort of a riff, I don't know.
0: No, well, and what that makes me think of, Anne, is like you said, it's, you know, regardless of when people come to leadership, I think a trigger is passion. When you care enough about fulfilling a mission or creating an outcome, realizing a vision, that you're willing to put yourself on the line, that's when you're gonna step up to leadership. And whether it happens at five or 55, I don't think it matters. It's like, you're going to find that thing that you really care about and you will move heaven and earth to do it. And you start to put aside the ego. You start to put aside the self. It becomes about them. It becomes about the mission. Eventually, you know, even if it starts out as the mission and not as much the people, eventually it will become the mission because, or the people, because you can't, alone fulfill that mission. You have to enroll other people in this. Mm. And I think that's when that maybe latent leadership will, will start to wake up. That's awesome.
1: 100%.
0: That's right. So if someone hearing this says, "I'm," you know, is intimidated by these people who've been lifelong leaders, it's like anything else. It's like when it's time, it will be time. It won't happen a moment sooner, you know, but when it's time, it will happen. And that's the same, whether it's something like that, or it's, you know, we spend so much time kicking ourselves for not having better habits. You know, this is a thing this is a thing I'm on these days, right? I've I've read too many habits books Mm. that just drive me bananas because everybody thinks they know the way Mm. and it's the way that works for them. Right. And so then the rest of us read these and kick ourselves. And I work with like top level executives and entrepreneurs who do phenomenal things and they kick themselves for not, you know, living up to this fake potential uh, around habits. That's like, it's kind of ridiculous how like it's habit shaming is what it's become. And it's like, I just tell people all the time. Now it will happen when it happens. Mm. Right. If, if you want to do this thing, it's don't worry about developing more discipline. You won't not, you won't be able to not do it. Right. Right. When that fire is lit, nothing will get in your way and it will look like great habits and discipline to other people. And you'll just say like, I just could not do that every morning when I woke up. Yeah. I, I had to do it. So can we just not beat ourselves up for either not being leaders or not having great habits or not Whatever, eating more kale. I don't know. Right. <laughs> like, right. Just when the time is right, it's right. Eating kale will not be right for some people for the rest of their lives. Right. That's okay. Right. That's okay.
1: <laughs> I love that. That is so spot on and makes me think about that. That's the energy. You know, one of the one of the questions I have is that true leadership is filled with shit that is, you know, hard to show up for that you don't get credit for that you don't, you can't get credit for. Um, it's filled with stuff that you don't necessarily want to do. And that's just hard. And how do you find the energy in it? How do you find that dance between showing up for your passion for what fills you and grinding through when it's just hard?
0: Hmm. It's a good question. Um, for me, it's that I just have a mission. That's so it's much bigger than this lifetime. And so I definitely have my days where it's like, what am I doing? Is this going to work? Like, am I on the wrong <laughs> track? And, um, and then inevitably, when I reflect on my 100 year goal, like I, I just can't not do it. And I'll take the baby steps now. And I work, I mean, you know, every day, there's a different reason for me to beat up on myself for something mm-hmm. I, I did or didn't do. Um, but by and large, I've also kind of just owned that this is part of the journey. And this is so this gets back to arete which is the that Greek virtue, and it is Um, A virtue that when you practice it, it's because you've taken on the moral obligation of realizing your full potential of using every faculty you've got in this lifetime to the utmost extent you can. That's R.A.T. And um, so you, you, you push that limit and in pushing the limits, you're going to fail, right? And you're going to have those hard days. The best lesson I had around failure was when my son was in the hospital and he was born three months early and he Mm. ended up spending nine months in the hospital before coming home. So seven of those in the NICU and it was maybe a month or so in, he was on a very, um, Kind of an antiquated ventilator <laughs> that's really hard on babies' lungs but it's necessary if if babies can't breathe right but it's creating scar tissue in their little lungs mm-hmm. and so you want to, them to be on it as little as possible so they're always looking for opportunities to wean the settings mm-hmm. so they can move them to a different machine so every morning they would do blood tests to figure out is today the day we can wean so we would be driving in in the morning and get this report from the nurses and like, Oh boy, today's maybe the day now, every time you would do a wean, you would be concerned of a setback, mm-hmm. right? So you weaned too much or it wasn't actually the right time. And we actually had one of those setbacks. And I remember just being devastated. Yeah. And the doctor came to the room and said, I know this is really hard, but we have to get your baby off of this machine. And if we never fail, then one thing is for sure. We have not been trying hard enough. Yeah. So if you set a big enough and hard enough goal, you're going to fail you're going to have setbacks that tells you you're doing the best right you're you're pushing those limits you are trying hard enough um you are setting big enough goals right so so failure is part of it hardship the hard shit right the it's also like the man in the arena right um it, that's one of my favorite that's just one of my favorite pieces of text, right, is you are going to be marred by blood and sweat and tears, but you are the man in the arena. So you keep getting up and, and doing it again.
1: Jen, thank you for sharing that story of your son. And I'm glad that he's okay. You shared a story of him uh, just before we started talking. So I just want to thank you for that. I love what you just said, and you brought up your 100-year goal, and it's one of the reasons why I really connected with you and why I wanted to have you on the the program, because it's a goal that is amazing and inspiring and as far-reaching as my own, and I wanted to talk to you about how you plant seeds for trees you won't sit under. Can you share a little bit about your goal?
0: Sure. So my 100 year goal is no more war. And it may be Pollyanna to some, right? It may not be achievable. It's certainly not achievable in this lifetime. It's a 100 year goal. (laughs) But if, if through my actions, I can decrease it by 10% or 70%, you know, it it will be a good thing will be a good thing. And um, I don't approach it from the perspective of militaries and nation states although that would ultimately be an outcome but i approach it more from the war within you know Mm -hmm. if we can get into a different relationship with ourselves within ourselves we will show up differently in our relationships with others and ultimately that's what what war is right is it is this kind of an unhealthy relationship between others So that's at least how I've done the math, you know, as I thought, how do I get there from here, Mm -hmm. from ground zero? Um, And so that's where Arate comes in, because I figure if, if I can help people tap into more of their potential, and then as leaders, help the leaders tap into more of their own, their team's potential, again, we won't be in this place where people feel powerless. And they go to war, right, because they're afraid something can be taken from them. Mm. It was really highlighted for me in the presidential elections of 2016 when we really saw so much division. I mean, I feel like that was the first time it was so clear that on Election Day, no matter who won, half of the country was going to think, They'd had the second coming of the messiah and mm-hmm. the other half thought we were going to hell in a handbasket mm-hmm. and it's like how did we get here how did we get mm-hmm. to this place where people put so much i don't know so much power in that one human being yeah. to define the quality yeah. of their lives you're never probably going to meet that person yeah what if you took some of that power yourself yes. right not to say that government doesn't play an important role because it does but i think we're just putting a bit too much emphasis on that and again if we felt more like we had more control over our own fates mm-hmm. you know we could turn the tides on things i don't think we would be there so that's again where our comes in because if if we can tap into that potential and that that becomes our well that we draw on rather than Right. Doing this expedition outside of ourselves for where the power lies to make our our lives better.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's what I'm working on. I'm doing that, creating community around that concept, because if you are someone who really believes in that, you need to be surrounded by more people who think that way. Not everybody thinks that way. Um, So building community and then building it into the DNA of leadership so that leaders know how to tap into their own potential and into the potential of their teams better. So no more war. We'll get there. All for it. You, you
1: mentioned when we talked about this before that the, the people who are most skeptical of that are the people who have never served.
0: Right. Yep. Yeah. And I, I, I don't fault them for that. You know, when you read it, it's all headlines. Yeah. To anyone who hasn't served, it's all headlines. To somebody who's lived in that and has put their lives on the line for that, you can bet they would rather that not be um, such a go-to. Yeah. Yeah, that there there would be a lot less of that. I did pick this up. This was around kind of my late 20s, early 30s of being really careful about what information I was allowing into my space, meaning Mm -hmm. not not in terms of like curating the news sort of Mm -hmm, thing that mm -hmm. that people are doing in social media, but just like, I want it to be something that feeds my soul, that helps me feel like I can make a difference that doesn't lead to victim mentality, scarcity mindset, fixed mindset. Mm -hmm. No, it's got to be, it's got to be more around growth and, and creation and co-creation.
1: Yeah. And all of that comes from curiosity. You can't, you can't grow, you can't create,
0: if you're not curious. True. And curiosity, I say, is two things. It's humility. Yeah. Maybe I don't know the answer. And openness. Openness to finding out yeah. what might be a better answer.
1: Yeah. I love that. That um, I don't know if you and I talked about that, but I was uh, reading a book um, called Egonomics. And they talk about the... You know, ego is good. It's confidence and it's the willingness to to risk, to take risk. But it needs to be coupled with humility, which as is defined in in the book as I have I've come so far and I have so far to go. you know, and that I, I love that idea because for me, what shifted for me was I had the ego. <laughs> I just didn't have the humility for a long time. And when that shifted for me, it just opened up worlds I didn't know were available to me.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I know there have been studies done around like narcissism and leadership, right? Narcissism, mm. humility and leadership. Mm-hmm. And that's where they say, someone who's really high on narcissism only goes so far, yeah. someone who's really high in on humility only goes so far, but yeah. you bring those two together. Yeah. And it's kind of magic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And the other thing that you said that I thought was 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 great was you know that what information comes in and maybe put down the books maybe put down the information that you're taking and maybe put stuff down and go talk to people go listen to people people who don't have the same ideas as you but even the people that you think have the same ideas as you what are the what are what are underneath the stories that they're telling what you know really like opening yourself up to listening instead of you know getting out and listening to other people talking to other people it's just so fascinating because it's that's where you find the commonality and like you said if you're if you if you empower people to to take control of what they can of their inner selves and you help foster a community that listens to each other that there isn't a need for war because then you're finding the
0: commonality and building on that. Absolutely. Yeah. You And I think in doing that, being willing to listen, you become like a student of the human condition. Right. And, and not, you know, not so in your head that you're not experiencing yeah. it, but, but put yourself in more of that learning mode around it rather than just the experience of the human condition. Like to actually observe it and be curious about it. And yeah, you've gotta be willing to kind of get out of your own story in order to do that. So I love yeah. that idea, you know, listen yeah. to other people.
1: Just a, a, one last question. What have you discovered in your, in your leadership in recognizing, you know, stepping fully into your leadership that you didn't expect?
0: Hmm. I think being that fish who was swimming upstream for a while i i developed over time a bit of a not enoughness dialogue in my head and i've had that in a lot of different walks of life you know both in my time in the service you know even in my relationship certainly at times in my business and i think the more i step into who i am The more that not enoughness drops away Mm -hmm. and when that drops away the amount of 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 power that you have and the ability to contribute is so much greater so i think that's kind of like it's kind of a like a virtuous cycle it's like the more you Mm -hmm. become yourself the more you realize how powerful that is the more you want to become more of yourself, the more you realize how powerful that is. And it just yeah. kind of keeps building on itself. And and I'd say you, the caveat on that is you've got to do that with the humility, right? It's not the you can't be Popeye in that, like I'm this way and everybody else should be right. this way too. Right. Or also the like I am what I am mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna change. It's like there's gotta be enough of yes i am good enough and there are these great aspects and when i tap into them really great things happen and also being curious about and and what else is working out there in the yeah. world right and maybe i want to borrow some of that um and maybe i just let you be you right and i celebrate that or maybe i just turn the other <laughs> the other way right? <laughs> depending on the circumstance yeah. but yeah that's a different different approach
1: for sure Oh, that's great. That's so great. Thank you so much, Jen. I really, it's just always a pleasure talking to you. And I love that. I love that co-create because I think it's, it speaks volumes to, we can all come together with maybe different opinions on things, but if we're really looking at the whole, if we're
0: looking at something bigger than ourselves, we're going to reach for that. I love it. Yeah, we've got to draw other energy in to make things happen, right? Yeah. We can't control it all. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Anne. This has been great, Anne. Thank you. Thank you so much. So much.
1: Thanks for listening to How I Live Through This. I really appreciate it and certainly don't take it for granted. My goal for this podcast is to get support where it's needed. If you're so moved, please check out the organizations mentioned by my guest and consider how you might assist. Rating and reviewing how I live through this will also help amplify these heart-centered leaders striving to make equitable change in the world. Thanks so much.